Amen. Thank you for leading us in such great worship to our God. Two things that stood out, the last two songs, All Glory Be to Christ and Great Are You, Lord. Are we challenged every day to do that? I hope we are. God has been challenging me in a lot of ways in that as we're moving through transition that he has us here at Cedar Home. But today, I want to welcome Ed McDowell. He's been the executive director for Warm Beach Christian Camps and Conference Center since 1995. He and Bev have been married over 30 years, and they're proud parents of nine children and 15, 15 grandchildren are very passionate about adoption, with five adopted children and six, six adopted grandchildren. Family time ranks high for Ed's list of favorite activities. Ed's an ordained elder in the Pacific Northwest Conference of the Free Methodist Church. He has served as senior pastor, associate pastor, dean of students, and board consultant for organizations across the country. Ed currently serves as board chair for Christian Camps and Conference Associations and serves on teaching facilities of Murdoch Charitable Trust Board Leadership Initiative. Ed believes that Christian camping is an ideal way to bless people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So we welcome Ed today uh, that God's going to bring word through him. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Oh, it's great to be with you. Oh, I am just so excited to be here. Uh, got a lot of friends in the room that uh, span different eras of time in my life, mostly connections that cross over with Warm Beach Camp and uh, Conference Center. And so this is a good day for me. I want to bring you into a pretty personal space in my own life uh, over the course of the day and just, you know, kind of put it on the line with you and let you have a chance to just interact with what God wants to do in your life. I remember when you were reading through that, that uh, you know, some of the journey of my life, one of those points very early on when I uh, came back, I, I was a kid who grew up here, I'm a Stanwood High grad, all that kind of thing. And then um, Bev and I uh, were gone for a number of years when we came back, pretty early on in the first or second year, Pastor Mitch and I, and went to this uh, very intensive time of spiritual renewal uh, with a group of other pastors. And we roomed together there and had uh, profound conversations that became a foundation of connection uh, over the years from this time till now. And so I was so grateful when he took time to pray with me this morning before coming up here today. Thank you. And thanks for the many years of just being together. So when I think of Cedar Home, I think of Cedar Home as a place where that's trustworthy. I think of integrity. I think of great people. I think of God's word. And uh, I just want to pass that on. When you live in a, a community for a long time, you know, there's things that flow out from who you are that are maybe beyond what you see or know. A few years ago, I'd say it was a little over three years ago in my own journey, the Lord said to me in just a time of devotion, you're going to need a deeper walk with me than what you got right now. And I actually think that description is true for all of us right now. 
I, I don't know if in the last couple of years you've had your faith tested, your spirit tested, your character tested, but, but I think that's pretty much true across the board for all of us in one way or the other. And, and so what started at that time was a very simple thing. And I, I, it, I always hesitate sharing this, but I, I wanna put it on the line because it, it became a framework that just really started moving deep into my life and has been so transformative. And that was that there was just a commitment to try to be in God's presence uh, every day that I possibly could. Now it's not perfect, there's been gaps along the way. But literally, my favorite place, and if you spend any time with me at all, you're gonna find yourself around a campfire. I mean, it just, it, it just is kind of like where I go to. It's my go-to place. And go figure, I'm in camping, surprise, surprise. So, but it is, it is my go-to place at home. It's my preferred place uh, when we're in a camp setting is can we get around a campfire and can we talk around a campfire? Um, there's been so many moments in my life uh, that even go back to times, particularly with my father around the campfire, where those conversations were just so powerful that that's where I wanna be, right? And so this morning was no exception. I was up early uh, around a campfire, good cup of coffee and God's word open and just spending time with him. And then a little later, Bev joined me and we just extended that time of leaning into because why we, we need a deeper walk with him. The other thing that's interesting is the crush on our lives as followers of Christ has been so intense and it's been intensifying. Have you felt that? I, I sure have felt that. That the output, what's gotta come out of our lives every day is greater. And so the input has to be revved up to match the demand. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a fuel function, right? <laughs> whether it's your physical body, the amount of fuel you need to keep going, or whether it's our spiritual body, the amount of fuel that you need to keep going, it, it's so real, it's so true. And that's also part of the reason this deeper walk, this pursuit of this deeper walk with Christ is really right out of the desperation of demand. It, it's really born right there. There's right on the edge of vulnerability every day in our lives of, of following Christ. So there's, there's uh, two verses. There's the, the idea of this morning is five strategic priorities for life. And this literally came out of a time with the Lord just a few days ago, um, earlier this week. And there's two verses that are gonna undergird everything that we talk about today. I'm reading to you from the New Living Translation. And this is 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Now, the, the context is this is coming near the end of uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to the followers of Jesus in Corinth, his first letter. And he's, he's, there's a lot of things going on here. He talks to them about giving. Uh, he talks to them about different people that are coming and going and how to treat them and handle them and be respectful and kind of them. He talks some words of encouragement. And then he also, this is two of the verses that are in that stretch run of this letter right at the end. It says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong 
and do everything with love. So if you look at that verse, there's five strategic priorities for you and me. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything in love. So I want to take some time and just walk through those out of the context of my own life. And, and, and I wish you could just envision us with a good cup of joe or whatever your favorite uh, beverage is uh, around a good campfire and just having a conversation because that's, uh, that's my sweet spot. That's home. So for me, when I think about the challenge of everyday life, I've realized that there's just this need to focus, you know, just to focus on fewer things in a deeper way rather than trying to keep up with the many things in a little way. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'd like you to do right now is just go through, when you look at the week in front of you, what's one thing that you're going to need to focus on? Yeah, just get it, get it fixed in your mind, get it fixed in your head. You, you probably know what it is. And if you're not sure what it is, you probably can ask somebody next to you and they'd be happy to tell you what it should be in terms of what you need to focus on, right? But what's one or two things you need to focus on? Get those, get those in your head for a minute and just hold them. You're feel, feel free to share them if you want to. Um, but that issue of focusing is a real challenge because... Life is no respecter of focusing. Life is constantly bringing it on. You know, how many of you have been caught in a trap where you've planned for a full day and then the unexpected things that you didn't plan for is what swamped you? So I was on a, a run yesterday, uh, Warm Beach Camp, through COVID, we were donated to other camps, which was a real surprise and a blessing. And that's a whole nother story, but one of them is Black Diamond Camp down in Black Diamond, Kent Auburn area. And the other is Mount Rainier Camp and Retreat Center, which is up near Crystal Mountain Ski Area, uh, up off the 410. And so I've been learning the drill over this last year of running back and forth with three camps and supporting team. And we had a big event down at Black Diamond yesterday. So I was making the run down there. And as I was leaving a Stanwood, actually, my phone rang and it was a guy that, you know, I haven't heard from in at least a decade. And so as the conversation started unfolding, I thought this needs priority. So I pulled off into a parking lot and uh, the next 45 minutes just spent time talking with this guy. And he shared with me a story which is his story, not my story, so it's not meant to be shared uh, here. But it reminded me of the power of being faithful in your life to Christ over a long period of time that when somebody who you haven't seen or heard from in any way for over a decade says, who do I need to talk to? And they reach out to you. And then you recognize that, wow, this demands full attention, not distracted driving attention. <laughs> and uh, it was beautiful. I mean, 
there's more to be done. There will be follow-up dialogue. But when we got done, I had to call the people down at Black Diamond, said, I'll be there before the event starts, but I'm going to miss the planning segment. <laughs> so you're going to have to fill me in quick when I get there. And that was fine. That all worked out. But giving, giving this gentleman priority because he needs the presence of Christ in his life. And he's advocating for some friends who need the presence of Christ in their life. And, and, and it was the unexpected. It was the, I, w I didn't see that. It wasn't in my plan. It wasn't part of my focus. It didn't have anything to do with what I was prioritizing my life. And yet it had everything to do with being a follower of Jesus. You know, one of the biggest things that the Lord's been hammering home to me is I want you to show up in two ways during this whole crazy extended era of pandemic. I want you to be present in the moment with people. And I want you to be kind. That's just being hammered home. That there's a lot of other ways we're showing up as followers of Jesus and that we've got a lot of concerns about, you know, what is going on or what's not going on. And we've got different attitudes, thoughts, convictions, passions about all of that. But for me, for Ed, the word has been, I want you to show up and be present for the people that you're with. And I want you to be kind. Right? Just think about what that might mean for you. Maybe that could be part of your focus this week, is that I would just show up and be present and I would be kind. Well, so when you get past the idea that life doesn't, isn't a respecter of your plan and you end up in a parking lot having a critical conversation with somebody and just being present and being kind and then helping them connect with people that they uh, need to connect with, let's start unpacking these five strategic priorities in these two verses. The first one's be on guard. You know, the idea of everyday life in terms of being on guard is that we're keeping something from harm, we're protecting it, we're, we're defending it, right? And there's some scriptures that support this idea of being on guard, so let me, let me share a few of those with you. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now think about that. It determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Now we could spend the whole time right there. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we get after that? But Proverbs 7.2 says, Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard, as you guard your own eyes. I treat it with that kind of value. Philippians 4, 7 is another verse that talks about guarding. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So the good news is this guarding thing isn't something that we just do in our own strength, but God's peace is actually a provision for helping us guard our hearts and our minds as we're following Christ. Are you tracking with me on that? 
You're not in this alone. I'm not in this alone. You know, I, I'm not adequate to guard my own heart. I'm not adequate to guard my own mind. And any one of us in, the, in this room, if we're honest with that, knows the truth of that. We've been there and we go, oh, I have come up short. I need God's forgiveness, right? When God's peace begins to take deeper roots in our life, we find that his peace helps immensely with guarding our hearts and our minds as we follow him. Mark 13, 33 uh, is another verse that talks about guarding. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. Now that verse has a particular context. Again, that could be a whole message in and of itself, but what I want to pass on to you is there are all kinds of things that are going on in our life that we don't know when they're going to hit us, and we don't know how they're going to hit us. And there's a context of readiness here that's implied in the verse. Since, since you don't know the variables, since you don't know how life's going to come down, we got a plan for this week, but we really don't know what's going to roll forward in it, right? And since you don't know that, be on guard. Stay alert. Right? Don't, don't get swept off. Don't, don't get going down a rabbit trail that's going to take you the wrong direction. Be, be careful about protecting yourself from, from harm. Defend the core of your faith. Uh, keep yourself present before the Lord. Be aware of how easily we could get caught up. The last verse that, really, that I'm going to share today that speaks about guarding our heart is 1 Thessalonians 5.6. God is faithful, or the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Ha. Huh. I, I don't know, you know, one of the challenges in our culture today is we've minimized the idea of evil. And while I don't want to, you know, scare anybody today, I just want to say that's a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake to minimize the idea of evil. It's a, this whole your truth, my truth, and all of that stuff that plays into that. It, wow, it doesn't take us anywhere good in the end. And so this, this dynamic of that God guards us from evil is such good news. It is, it is so great. It gives me hope. It gives me encouragement in what we're doing. All right, so that's strategic priority number one is stay on guard. Guard yourselves. Guard yourselves, right? I hope the Seahawks defense does a little bit better job here on that, right? Uh, and we might as well throw in a go Mariners today while we're at it, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on that. I, one of my sons lives in Tennessee, and so with the time zone, I'm getting calls at very odd hours because he's a huge Mariners fan and, uh, and we have these wonderful conversations at disruptive times. Um, anyways, so number two, the second priority, stand firm in the faith. Um, as, you, as you interact and think and decide and do the things any day and every day that are going to be part of your life, the image of standing firm hear this, it describes someone who expresses conviction in a way that's consistent between their words and their actions. You just hold on to that. The idea of standing firm 
in our faith is someone who can actually express conviction where there's a consistency between your word and your action where you walk your talk where when people look at you they don't see a big disconnect and there's something that you have to know in standing firm you've got to know what you believe you've got to know why you believe it it's this deeper walk with god that he's calling us to that that otherwise you just get wiped out so easily here's a few verses that support this uh, for your consideration psalms 119:89. your uh, eternal word O lord stands firm in heaven what, what I love about this verse is just the simplicity that God's word is as true as it is in heaven as it is becoming more and more here on earth. The Lord's Prayer. May your kingdom come on earth as it already is in heaven is a statement right out of his word. You could go to many other passages about his word. Let's look at Luke 21:19. By standing firm, you will win your souls. Jesus' words. Ephesians 6:11 is another verse about this standing firm, and it's about being geared upright. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Psalm 28, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. I work in a lot of different church circles through the camp, get to meet a lot of different church leaders. I was in with a group of pastors on Friday and a bunch of their conversation was about the future of the church. Now, I don't know, you know, what that looks like as where methodologies are changing and virtual and in-person and, you know, all kinds of variations on how we get at this. Uh, but what I do know is that the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Maybe our models change. Maybe the way we get at gathering and communicating and all of that. Maybe that goes through some adjustments. Okay, but, but the Lord's plans are firm. They're not changing. They're not going to be shaken. You know, he says about the church that he will build it, that the gates of hell itself won't prevail against it. Right? Now, I don't know if that always means how we think it should look. Our view of what it looks like might get moved around a little bit. In our adoptive journey with our big family, my view of what family looked like sure got changed, right? Yeah, when you bring different cultures together, different races together and all of that, I learned a lot, still learning a lot. I have so much to continue to learn in that. But, but my view of family got changed up a little bit over what it was prior to that. But my commitment to family's been the same. Yeah? Stand firm, stand firm. First uh, Thessalonians again, 3.8. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. Now, this is Paul writing and saying, look, when we see you standing firm, it gives us new life. As a dad, when I see my kids standing firm in the faith, it gives me life. It gives me new life in my faith. When I see my grandkids standing firm in the Lord, it gives me hope and encouragement in my life. 
Any parent in the room can identify with that. We can also identify with the opposite, that there is no pain like family pain, and there's no challenge in our spirit that's greater than when our kids walk away from the faith they were raised in. Right? We long for them to know the love of God, the connection of God. Tracking with me on this? It's amazing. Let's stand firm in our faith. Well, let's go to the third strategic priority. Be courageous. Be courageous in all of life every day. Show up with a heart and mind that is ready to live out your faith in real and practical terms in any context, any time, anywhere. And one of the classical verses that if you've come to this church for any period of time, you've heard this verse because it's bedrock to so many of us. This is my command, Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it's awesome news. You, you and I get to get up with that reality in our lives. That when we're thinking about being courageous today, that's the God who's traveling with us. He's going with us wherever we go. Let's keep going. Psalm 27, 14 also supports this. Wait patiently before the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. You know, it's interesting. Do you associate bravery and courage with waiting? Oh my goodness, there's so many. It takes so much courage to be in a season of waiting. Aren't we in a season of waiting right now? How's this going to work out? What's this going to look like 12 months from now, six months from now? And then, you know, how are we going to resolve all of the tensions that are going on and the rhetoric and the, all of those kinds of things? There's, we're in a season of waiting and, and yearning and, and our spirits are restless and it's hard, it's challenging. I mean, you, you can take any issue you want to in a family with nine kids and several of them married and then with 15 grandkids. Do you think we all agree on the landscape of the day of what's going on and how it's going on? Not, not a chance. I mean, we couldn't agree when we were younger on going through a drive-through of what food to get. I was the five for special. We got the five for this, you know, and that's what you're getting and you can choose your own drink. That's it. You know, that's, that's not... They're, we, so today you get into complex issues. You get into complex issues of faith. You get into issues about the vaccine or not the vaccine. You get into issues about uh, all the government's role in all of this, too much, too little, uh, and in different states with different state attitudes, perspectives, education, in-person, virtual. What else you want to add to the list? Well, let's throw sexual identity in there. Let's throw, uh, you keep piling the list on that's in front of all of us today. Do you think our conversations are robust and rich? Oh, yeah, they are. Most of the time, there's more light than heat in them. Most of the time, we're, we, get, we get the right direction on them. But there's this, this issue that we're all in waiting. We're in waiting while we walk through these things before the Lord and say, and where we stand in common is that, Lord, you're going to lead us through. <laughs> you're going to lead us through. And maybe what we think right now might actually be adjusted by you because of what 
you want us to see and know. Wait. Courageous. Bravery. In waiting and in longing. First Chronicles 28.20. 20. This, is, this is just a great verse. It's King David speaking. And it says, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. Now, here's the thing that I love about this particular verse is we still have to show up in this world and do the work. I, you know, what's the work that's in front of you right now? Now, this particular verse is about the temple. And David didn't actually wasn't the one that got to build the temple. The, but the, the work is what God's given you to do and the impact that you're to make in that. And, and the, the message in this is that he's going to be faithful to help you do that, to help you complete what you need to have completed in your life. That's the context is don't check out. Still show up in life and do the work. Whether your work's school, whether your work is a particular trade or craft or it's management or whatever it is, show up and do the work and ask God to help you with the courage that you need to keep showing up in the environment you're in and watch God's faithfulness in that. You can turn to somebody and say, show up and do the work. Yeah, go ahead. Give it to them. You're, you can do that. We need to hear that today. Psalms 31, 24. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. You know, if our hope is in the Lord, we really aren't meant to walk around just filled with fear and anxiety. We're really, we're really meant to, not, not in a put-on way, but in a real way, back to this deeper walk with Jesus, back to this deeper connection with God, that when we are living in that connection, there's this deeper opportunity to show up with confidence, not because of the circumstances around us, but because of who God is in us and who God's living and how he's living through us. Second Timothy 2.10 is the last verse I'll share on supporting this whole idea of courage. So I'm willing to endure anything, this is Paul, if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Yeah, many, many, many years ago, my mom, Muriel McDowell, went home to be with Jesus. She had a multi-year battle with cancer. And there was a relative that was quite a ways away from where they needed to be in their life with the Lord. And I'll never forget my mom saying that if what I'm going through draws this relative back, I'll do it. And it did. Right? When you understand the depth of who we are in Christ, and the significance of what's on the line in people's lives if they are not walking with Christ. And you really own what the significance of that is. I mean, the significance is a life that in the end ends up in destruction and emptiness. That in the end moves through without purpose. 
and without impact, that in the end is separated from God forever. Oh. And Paul, and then my mom set this example for me. She set Paul's example. I would go through anything that Christ be lifted up in their lives. A deeper walk with God, a deeper connection with what's being asked of us. One of the challenges of what's being asked of us right now, among many other challenges, is that the pattern of life that we've established in our faith is being disrupted substantially. And so it's really showing us what, like, where we're vulnerable. It's really showing us where, where we're at risk. And it really is this huge need for all of us to say, you know what, are we willing to go through anything for Christ to be lifted up? and to be made known to those around us. A deeper walk with God. That's what Paul stated. That's what my mom lived out for me. Bev and I have a life mission statement. We, got it, we had it since we were married. We crafted it when we were engaged and it's just been core to who we are. To give our lives away for the cause of Jesus Christ to as many people as we possibly can. Now we don't know, you know, the Lord's been living that out through us based on who we are, not who we're not, right? And, and so he's, he's just letting that live and breathe, but it's this idea that will we really go to the ends on that, that Christ be lifted up in other people's lives through our life? Oh my goodness. Gotta tell you, it's beautiful. I also got to tell you, it's brought, brought us to the end of ourselves at times. Where we said, Lord, how? <laughs> wow. Uh, when we jumped into this, we didn't expect this. Right? Well, then let's deal with the fourth strategic priority. Be strong. The forces of this broken world, they're going to seek to break you. I'm just telling you. The forces of this broken world are going to seek to break you. The forces of this broken world aren't going to seek to bless you. And if, I, if there's ever another opportunity to unpack the, the Beatitudes from the provision of God in the broken world, I'd love to do that because it's such a powerful response that God has to a broken world. So we've got to gather strength every day in the presence of God. We've got to train and condition for that strength. We've got to have a capacity to show up and, and be able to carry on through tough situations. It, it, our faith is, is not, I, I mean, we come in weakness, but because of the strength that God brings in, we live it out in strength. Not in my strength, in, in His strength. And so Deuteronomy 3.31.6 says, So be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid and don't panic before them. I, I wonder if you were to say, don't be afraid and don't panic before them. Who's the them in your life? 
I, I think probably every one of us at one time or another, if not now, has a them, and they have a name. <laughs> don't panic and don't, don't, don't be afraid before them. For the Lord your God, hear this, he will personally, he will personally go before you. He won't fail you, and he won't abandon you. I could tell you story after story where I've wanted to panic. I've wanted to bolt. I've wanted to run. And then before the Lord saying, I, I'm in way over my head. And three things, he says, I want you to wait. I want you to trust me. And I don't want you to pursue this in your own strength. I'll go before you. And oh, has that been true. It's been true over and over and over again. Here's a couple of verses to support that. Ephesians 6.10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Proverbs 18.10. Oh, the name of the Lord. It's a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Can I just give a shout-out to the Old Testament here for just a second? Sometimes in our following Jesus, we think everything's all on the New Testament. And yet so many of these five Strategic priorities are best expressed through words from the Old Testament. That, that people who hadn't yet known the sacrifice of Jesus, like you and I know the sacrifice of Jesus, but as they were following God and as God was speaking to them, these were the words that got written down. Isn't God true through all time? Praise God for what Jesus has done. But just, I wanna give a shout out to his word in the Old Testament. Uh, last verse in this fourth strategic priority, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. So, you know, one of the reasons that this guy called me from 10 years ago is because he believed there was gonna be a consistency in my life related to my faith and values. Uh, the Word of God's getting handled a lot of different ways around our culture today. One of the reasons Mitch told me he could call me is because he knew that there was a consistency in our life. This is what we're talking about when it's about being strong and immovable. You know, even, even with my kids, I want them to always know that I'm here. I'm, I, I'm, now, God's the only one that really pulls off on the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He's the only one that does that. Um, I've changed in many ways in a very short period of time. That would be the statement that travels with me. But the character of Christ, his word, his truth, and trying to reflect that every day. That's only been growing. Be strong and immovable. 
And people come to trust that. They come to count on that. They come to value that. Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. This is in the same verse. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I don't know if you've ever had a I had no idea moment where somebody's reached out to you and said, you know that thing you did for me, that act, that whatever you said, whatever. Sometimes, it's happened to me a few times, sometimes I don't even remember the moment they're talking about. And yet it had profound impact. Be strong, movable, work with enthusiasm. There's nothing that we do as followers of Jesus that's ever useless. There's nothing that we do in our walk with God that's ever wasted. God uses it all for his glory. So the fifth strategic priority, do everything in love. You know, the first four, we, 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 we like a lot. And we know this fifth one, <laughs> do everything in love. But this fifth one messes with the first four in a big way. Because without, the, without those, this fifth one, we can get describing those first four out of power and out of might and out of attitude and out of bravado. And then this fifth one shows up. I want you to do everything in love. Everything, not most things, everything. Oh, wow, this is the way of God, the way of the world. It's not the way of the world. It's not. And we're seeing that more and more. The way of God shows us the power of love in all things. Jesus, his words, Luke 6.35, he doesn't, he doesn't, all of Jesus' words around this are like huge challenges. And here's one of them when he talks about this life of love. Love your enemies. Oh, great. Let's start with them. All right. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Are you nuts? Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly acting as the children of the Most High. Now, I don't know if we got a good idea or a good handle on reward of heaven. But all I got to say is that what I know of God, it's got to be amazing and awesome. But the, the second piece I got a little better handle on. You'll be acting as children of the Most High. In other words, this is, this is how my children reflect who I am through this kind of extravagant love, enemies, not collecting on debt. Uh, I mean, you just, you just start working through that and you go, this is amazing. Where does it take us? And then it goes on to finish, for he is kind, Jesus is referencing his father, for he is kind to those who are unthankful, and wicked. Really? I mean, don't you just like to take them out for me? Can't you just take one of the bad guys out for me? Can't you just take one of the evildoers out? No, he is kind. Uh, other passages of Scripture talk about his patience. 
And then when we really get right down to it, I'm among the wicked, redeemed and saved by the Savior. Right? First John 4, 8 speaks to this, but anyone who does not love doesn't know God, for God is love. Can it be said any clearer? I mean, you can't dodge this living a life of love and claim a relationship with God. It, it doesn't travel. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't have integrity. It doesn't have an integrity in your own heart, and nobody else will buy it either. You know, when, when religion goes that path, religion becomes the valued thing, not God. Structure becomes the valued thing, not Jesus. And we've got to be careful about that. I'm not saying that religious framework isn't a good thing. It is a good thing. It has a lot of value, and that's how churches are organized and all of that. But I'm saying at any given time, we can make our structure the thing that everything's about and not our God that everything's about. And usually when that happens, you see there's an absence of love that's crept in. It's usually love that's been eroded. It's usually love that's been marginalized. 1 John 4.19, we love each other because he loved us first. 2 John 1.6, love means doing what God has commanded us. You know, we don't take light. How are we doing at being commanded? Have you liked all the ways you've been commanded in the last year or so? Does it just play out well? It doesn't play well in my spirit. I'll just be confessional here. I, I've gotten my back up like, what? You're going to tell me to do that this way? I'm not on board with that. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, see, we're tapping a nerve here. We're going to come to life. The room is coming alive. Yeah. You know what, though? Jesus commands us. John 15 says... You're my friends if you do what I command. I call you friends because you obey my teaching. This love thing, it's a command. It's not like on the options list for the day. I'll try to do it on Monday, but wow, I'm going to give it a break on Tuesday. <laughs> no, it's, it, he wants us to show up because the other four strategic points in these two verses fall short if the fifth strategic point isn't integrated into everything. Well, five strategic priorities. Back to the verses that we started with. You know, those two verses towards the end of Paul's letter, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything with love. I want to leave you with a challenge. It's a simple one. But I'd like you to think about these two verses as five strategic priorities for your life. And I'd like you to be intentional for the next 30 days at looking at these two verses and putting them into play. And saying, how am I doing in these five strategic priorities? 
how's the Lord helping me in these five strategic priorities? And then I want you to evaluate the effectiveness and the well-being of your own life as you do this. I want you to pay attention to what's shifting, what's moving, what's changing. How, how is God's word actually beginning to move in a deeper way back to this deeper walk with God, this deeper life with him? Father God, thank you. Thank you. Your, your word is amazing. We, we do need a deeper walk with you. Every one of us would own up to that. We're being tested in ways that we've never been tested in our lives. And these strategic priorities that come out of your apostle Paul in these two verses help us Help us. And thank you that in the examination of Scripture around these five strategic priorities that it's so evident that you're not asking us to do this in our own strength. In fact, Scripture is equally as full, if not more uh, abundant, with how you're going to be involved in helping us do this. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we are not in our own strength trying to solve this. Thank you for this time together in worship. Thank you for Cedar Home Baptist Church. Thank you for this community of faith, the body of Christ, online, in person, whatever the context is today. And Father, I do pray over their pastoral search that you would just bring the right anointing to the right person and make that clear in your time. But between now and then, it's not wasted time. It's time for a deeper walk, a deeper reflection. We love you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.